Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, it's Mary Scott. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Behind the Bliss podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing one of my dear friends, Shay Tate. Shay and I work together at Proverbs 31 Ministries, and I'm so excited for you to hear more of her story. Shay opens up about what it was like for her family to walk through a season of pain, and also what it was like for her to mourn the loss of a season that she was going to live after college that never happened. I left the conversation feeling deeply convicted and also very encouraged at the same time, and I pray that this message would do the same for you too. Thanks so much for listening. Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I'm sitting here with my sweet friend, Shay Tate, and I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her today. But first things first, we need to talk about what iced coffee Shay is drinking right now because we're in <laughs> we're in, together in person. So right now I'm drinking a huckleberry latte. I'm drinking it iced. Okay, well tell the people it's what it is. It's from Breakman's Coffee in Matthews, North Carolina, <laughs> and it's kind of like a summery, berryish flavored coffee. It kind of tastes like a strawberry coffee latte. What did you say? Yeah, I like that. That's a good description. It's good. It's really good. We needed to get our coffee before we started the podcast. But um, anyways, I just love my friend Shay and really wanted to have her on the show. But just a little bit of background. Shay and I are co-workers at Proverbs 31 Ministries and have just really gotten to know each other, what, like almost a year now? Yeah, and I feel like we have so many little small world connections that once we knew each other, we realized And you're kind of one of those people that everyone kept telling me to meet. And then once I met you, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. We're we're, going to be friends forever. We're both twos on the Enneagram. Both twos on the Enneagram. If you're um, familiar with Enneagram, when you find someone who's the same number as you, it just feels like an instant connection. But Mm -hmm. anyway, okay, Shay, I want you to tell everyone what you do, where you're from, what your day-to-day looks like and all of that. Okay. So I am from Birmingham, Alabama. I was born there, lived there my whole life, and went to the University of Alabama in the fall of 2013. Um, Graduated from there in May of 17 and moved to Charlotte the day after graduation. So I um, graduated on a Saturday, packed up a U-Haul with my mom and moved on a Sunday. So we drove up and we're in Charlotte by um, Sunday night, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I live now. And I started work the next Monday. You did. So I always joke around that I grew up overnight, but I really think I did. You literally started work the next day? Yeah, started work the next day. All my friends were traveling the seven wonders of the world, and I was at work. (laughs) But I'm so thankful that it really helped me kind of get into my transition um, immediately, and I feel like the move would have been way harder. It would have been harder to say bye to family, say bye to friends, and it just felt really natural to just walk across the stage and then know that I had to leave. So it it was a really, really sweet time. So yeah, now I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I've been here right at a year, um, and I work at Proverbs 31 Ministries, and I work on Lisa Turker's team as her communications coordinator. Um, And my day-to-day, man, I mean, every day looks different. Um, 
Sometimes it is lots of emails and corresponding with um, people outside of our Proverbs 31 Ministries family, and sometimes it's in-person meetings with our Proverbs staff. Um, sometimes it's in the office. Sometimes it's out of the office, remote, um, working off-site or something like that. Or traveling. Or traveling <laughs> um, with Lisa on the weekends for speaking engagements and all that kind of stuff. So one of my favorite parts of my job is that every day looks different, and that's actually refreshing to me. So some people really, really enjoy routine, and I do to a certain extent, but I'm really thankful that every single day looks different for me, and that always leaves me on my toes and super thankful for my job. So, yeah. It's cool because just for, like, a quick second, I did the same role that Shay's doing now. Yeah. And so it's so true. Like, no day ever looks the same. Mm -hmm. It's really just wild. So, Mm -hmm. um. Well, that's really great. Do you, yeah. How did you decide to move to Charlotte and what got you here? So my job is the reason that I moved to Charlotte. I had never visited here before and I started interviewing for this position maybe in February of my senior year of college and then accepted the job by March and had come um, after I had accepted the job for my senior year spring break um, to train because I knew again that my transition of after graduation, moving into that job um, would be very fast. So it was a big risk to accept a job in a city that you've never even visited. But every time that I told someone about Charlotte, they just raved about it. And after living here a year, I totally um, can see why. It uh, it reminds me a lot of Birmingham, I think. It's like a bigger, more spread out Birmingham. Um, lots of local places, which I love. And um, the move... I really can't believe that I did it. I think I kind of forgot that it was just happened so fast and it it really does seem crazy to move somewhere that you've never visited and to be single and move on your own. And I mean, I met my roommates the night that I moved in, like there were so many risks involved in this move, but I just felt like the whole time that God was all over it and it felt like such the right thing to do. And not even in a you know, over spiritual way where I felt like the Lord so spoke that this was the right job or, um, that I heard him audibly say, go for it. But it just felt like the perfect thing after the, you know, the season that I had been through and college at the time. And so it was a total leap of faith, but I trusted, I tried to trust God the whole way through it. And I knew that I was coming to a safe place with really sound leadership and a sound mission, um, of a ministry. And so I think that made the transition all the more sweeter. So, yeah. What would you say, like, was the driving factor for you to, to take the leap of faith, to leave Birmingham, to leave what was familiar, Mm -hmm. to leave working at a place that you always thought you would work sure, and to Mm -hmm. leave the community that you already had? Like, was it easier? I know like there's parts of your story that would have made staying in Birmingham easier, but also harder. Mm -hmm. But there was just so many necessary factors that like you needed to leave. Mm -hmm. What would you say like all that looked like? I would say, I mean, just from the beginning, something that I have learned is that different seasons call for different things and different adjustments, you know? And I think like one of our family values at Proverbs is that the vision, you know, is solidified, but the strategy is fluid. And I know I'm butchering it, but I feel like my life is a lot of that, that over time, my vision is fixed of what I want to make of my life and the, the person that I want to be known for. But strategies have kind of changed over time. And I feel like you have to yield to your season. And so, um, and when I say yield to my season, I mean, like, really, be in tune and be present with what God has going on. And so in college for the first three years, I'd say two and a half, three years, my 
Um, my vision was very much to dive into new friendships. Um, I was in, in a sorority. I really dove into my local church there, um, which was Church of the Highlands, which I loved. We had a Tuscaloosa campus on um, in our city, and it's a multi-site church. So I dove into the campus there and um, started dating someone pretty seriously. Um, we were both serving together, and I was really thankful for that, that that was the place that we had met. And so through that, I mean, I felt like all of my pieces were coming together. My plans were coming together of, oh my gosh, I'm dating someone that I like so much and he's in ministry and I'm in ministry. And this looks like it is just headed for exactly what every girl who's in their 20s wants, you know? Graduate, get married. Yeah, graduate. Have a great job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am I really thought that it was um, kind of the rest of my life coming together. So I think that um, through that, I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit. Um, I, I kind of want, one of the big things that me and Mary Scott have talked about of uh, me coming on today and chatting with you guys is just about like, what do you do when you feel like your plans have shattered? And I think that's a big part of my story. Um, but a lot of my story is, like I said, where I got so far ahead of God um, where I wasn't living in the present. And then I ended up disappointed because I'm disappointed in something that I had already planned five steps ahead of something, if that makes sense. So, and what does Lisa always say? Like, here's my plan, God, and you can bless it, but don't please, mess with please it. Please don't mess with it. <laughs> exactly. And so he totally messed with my plans and the year of 2016 ended up being one of the hardest years of my life for so many reasons. Um, my family started going through kind of an unexpected tragedy, which brought us closer in a more vulnerable way, but also, I mean, it was trauma, you know, like textbook trauma. Right. Um, the person that I thought I would spend the rest of my life with and I ended up breaking up in kind of an unfortunate way, right, right, really, really closely calendar wise with the, the trauma that my family was going through. And then I just felt like every little thing after that just kind of compounded all of the evidence of like, this is going to be the worst year of my life. Getting a speeding awesome. ticket yeah. and having, you know, friendship issues. And then like when you and someone break up, like they don't just fall face of the planet. You still have to see them, you know, mm -hmm. and that was hard. And just, I think one of the hardest things about like hard seasons is that life has to keep going. And sometimes you can't always just take a time out and retreat for a couple of weeks and get everything panned out. Like you have to keep going every day, you know? So what would you say, like some of the key disciplines, spiritual disciplines, routines, mm -hmm that you have or did in that season, which helped you not come on the other side, like you're completely better, but like sure, yeah. allowed you to flourish and become a different version of Shay mm -hmm. than you were before. Like did, what were some of the, like the day-to-day -day things that you would do? Yeah. Well, I would just say a big thing for me was I learned how to pursue the Lord in hard seasons. I think for the first time in my life, I really, really desperately knew what it felt like to really need grace. And I had to figure out what it looked like to still pursue God in the midst of hardship. And um, I remember from the very beginning of these hard things, I immediately was just faced with the choice of I can either run towards the Lord and we can tackle this together or I can run from him and I'm going to delay this process a lot. And so I immediately just turned myself over to him and tried to really pursue him in the midst of hardship, even when it didn't make sense. And so um, I remember one of the sweet things was one of my friends gave 
gave me this little card that had a quote on it. And she wrote me a note on the back and I still have it on my desk to this day. And it's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And it says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in a moment of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at a time of challenge and controversy. And although Martin Luther King is saying that quote in a context of some really like hard life altering, social altering things, politically altering things. For me, you know, in my life that looked different, but the principle is still the same is that who we are in hard seasons, who we come out of, who we come out as through hard seasons define us. And, um, we have to learn how to be able to not shy away from hard things um, as friends, as individuals. Um, we have to learn how to really face them heads on. And so two things um, that I really, really learned was firstly, how to let people be a friend to me during that season. Um, so I had to be more vulnerable than I ever had to be before in my life. And as a two on the Enneagram, you know, you're the helper. So you're the glue, you know, or like you're constantly, I feel like Shay and I talk about this a lot, but like as to we are convinced that we know how to help other people become the better versions of themselves Mm -hmm. or like we're always thinking of how someone else can improve while not necessarily knowing how to help ourselves per se or like having an issue even with pride of letting other people help Mm -hmm. us because we're convinced we know the best ways absolutely whatever it is yeah I went from kind of being the person that was a people pleaser and a fixer to now being more vulnerable. So goodbye, people pleasing. And I couldn't be the fixer because I needed the fixing. And so I had to really, once again, yield to my season, you know? And so I learned how to be more vulnerable in my friendships than ever before. I had to accept help and prayer instead of giving it sometimes, which again was really hard for my personality. But I can say that the friends that stuck with me through the hardest season of my life are now some of my best friends in the whole world because they didn't shy away from me during that season and I let them come close to me, you know? I was going to say, what do you feel like they did as a friend that worked or didn't work in that Mm -hmm. season? They just kept showing up for me. And I think a big thing that I learned through either the tragedy of the things my family is still going through to this day or even just, you know, going through a breakup. I mean, it's some of the deepest pain in your life. You know, it sounds so dramatic to say that, but when you have people as close in your life, like you and I do, um, losing them and losing their presence of them in your life can just be heart wrenching. It's another another person you had to mourn the loss of. Yeah. It really felt like mourning the loss of someone that I didn't want out of my life, you know? And, and I, I hate that I felt that way, but I would say things that really worked were just, I feel like sometimes in friendships, it's really easy to check in three days into a tragedy, maybe three weeks in, but the people that kept checking in three days in, three weeks in, three months in, three years in, like if that's what it takes, like we can't just be friends that check in in the beginning, but really we, I want to be a friend that see something come to fruition. And um, if that means being in the trenches for longer than it's comfortable for you as a friend, but it helps that person, I mean, that is so worth it. I think being able to stand with people during the hardest seasons of their life is a gift. And if you learn to do it well, you will be the best friend in the whole world. And I had friends that did that for me, you know? I um, heard someone say that they have a, like, a group text called their fight team. Mm. Um, and, like, those are the people they, they text, like, in a moment's notice, like, hey, y'all, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I need you to stop and pray. And I feel really honored and blessed that at Proverbs, like, we as a team or as friends, like, 
are for sure. And there's been moments this year where I've had to text you and text other girls that we are friends with and say, Hey, like this is happening right now in my marriage or with me personally or with my husband. And I need you guys to stop and pray. And like, I just want to honor you that you are that kind of friend. Like the friends that you're saying were that for you, like you are that too. And so maybe like the Shay you are now as a friend, like you're even better because of the friends that you had or because you allowed that vulnerability in because like as we say all the time or as we say at work like vulnerability is that like open door that allows someone else to see where you've come from so that they can find the freedom to do the same Mm -hmm. um that's so good and you do that really well you're so sweet well I feel like allowing people to be a close friend to me during that hard hard season showed me what it looked like to be a friend for someone else in their hard season and like I had a group text of people called my home team, you know, like your home team is the people that you run to. That's like your squad. You know what I'm saying? And I think as we get older, we're faced with harder things in life that force us to be more, more vulnerable than we're comfortable with. But if we press into those times, if we let people into our hard times, um, it just makes us sweet. It makes the time sweeter, you know, and I don't want to be someone that shies away from hard things because I think from, you know, I'm almost 23 now, I'll be 23 next month, like looking ahead to where life is going, like the things that we experience, they could only get harder, you know, like we (laughs) we will have parent issues, we will have, you know, sibling issues, marital issues, Children. children issues, I mean, everything, you know, and I feel like every season gets more and more stretching, but when we step into it, when we yield to our season, and truthfully, I just think to put it simply, pursue the Lord in all seasons, pursue him when it's hard, pursue him when it's good and keep your community close. Um, no matter what celebrate when the season calls to celebrate, like the Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, you know, and then mourn with those who mourn. So I think just kind of learning how to yield to the bittersweet shifts of life will show you how to be a person that is stable, that is strengthened, no matter what's thrown your way. And even though, the year of 2016 was one of the hardest ever. I mean, it was the hardest year of my life to date. I still was able to close out that year and, you know, wake up on January 1st of 2017. My circumstances weren't different, but I was solidified in my faith and I was thankful for the hard things even before they were settled and before there was a bow tied around it. But, I was going to say the, pri- yeah. the prize is never that it's solved, but the prize is always Jesus. So Absolutely. like if we like come on the other side and like you said, our situation is the same, like the prize is still that we got closer to the Lord. Absolutely. Like it wasn't the prize or the promise isn't rested in the fact that this is resolved mm-hmm. or he loves me again or whatever it is, like fill mm-hmm. in the blank. It's always Jesus like the prize is always Jesus mm-hmm. so yeah and my story is not one that is these are all the hard things that I went through but now I'm married I have a perfect dog and house and we're basically like Chip and Joanna and our house is great and <laughs> I have 500 million best friends all of my family stuff is resolved and God's so good like my story is not that and I'm married and it's great yeah you know yeah. it's it's not that it, and a lot of those things you know I'm joking but like a lot of those things are things I do yearn for in my heart, but I think just learning how to wrestle well with the Lord. And um, like I wanted to read a little bit of an excerpt of a, something I posted on uh, Facebook and Instagram um, on January 1st of 2017. So this is after almost a full year of just intense hardship, darkness, trauma, all of that. And I hope that 
it speaks to someone today who's going through hard things. So I wrote, over the past 365 days, the Tate family, which is my family, has had their fair share of difficult hardships, hazy confusion, and uneasy transitions. We experience trials as a family and as individuals. Through And although every single one of these moments were hard, I saw these four people next to me fight like warriors and be my source of strength. Although the year of 2016 felt like it was more low valleys than high mountaintops, I'm closing out the hardest year of my life to date with a thankful heart. No matter what your 2016 was like, you can too. Through every dark moment, we were grown, we were molded, we were sharpened, and we learned to love in a way that didn't depend on our feelings. We were cared for by the unwavering love of a Savior who carried us through every season, especially when we couldn't walk through it ourselves. Mom and Dad, thank you for your strength. I respect you with every ounce of my being. Summer and Chris, who are my siblings— I would do anything for either of you. Y'all are my best friends. Thank you, Jesus, for a year that showed us your faithfulness. You never left us to walk alone. 2017, we are declaring you as a year of abundance, joy, restoration, breakthrough, and hope. Mm -hmm. And I think although a lot of those things, you know, joy, abundance, restoration, hope, breakthrough, were present in my 2017, which was graduating from college, getting an amazing job in ministry, moving to Charlotte, meeting a whole new pool of amazing people in my life that now feel like family. Again, like you're saying, when things aren't resolved, when we can't have um, the stamp of approval and check the box of a hard season saying it's over, when we pursue Jesus, no matter what, we come out better. We come out better versions of ourselves, better versions of Jesus in us, you know, and um, I think that's really important. Totally. When you were trying to make really big decisions like moving to Charlotte or taking this job or ending relationships, how do you feel like you hear God the most and how does he speak to you? Because I feel like a lot of people, like if you're not a believer, like you'll hear hear a phrase like God told me this or I heard God tell me this. Like what does that look like for you? Sure. So for me, I have never really heard the Lord's voice audibly, but I can say there have definitely been some defining moments. And I feel like when I'm the most in tune with the Lord is when I'm spending time with him and in communication with him. And so I think that means setting aside quiet space to pray, to worship and everything that I feel like I've quote unquote heard, or I feel, or, um, has come up pertaining to a decision or something from God that I feel like I'm supposed to move forward with my first test is it always has to pass a test of, is this biblical? Okay. So when someone says, the Lord told me to tell you this, or I feel like God's telling me to do this. Okay. Well, the first test before even, does it line up with, with scripture? And I don't mean like Shay's interpretation of scripture. I mean, really biblically, when you look at it, like, is this of God's character? But that comes from spending time with him. So, um, I would just say the times in my life where I've really had to make decisions, I've number one, never been ashamed to ask people for to pray. Um, never been ashamed to ask people to pray because if you have great people in your life that you feel like really pray and hear from God, actually, I mean, absolutely add it to their prayer list. Um, so I've never shied away from asking people to go to the Lord on my behalf. And also I just feel like I know myself really well. So like when this Proverbs 31 job came up, I trusted the leadership of Proverbs, their mission aligned with the word of God. That's the scripture test. And then from there, I feel like you really have to just realize that God's will for you is a little bit more spacious and a little bit more free than you probably think. And I know that because I was a child who lived from a place of fear. And so for me, I think it's just saying, you know what, like Jesus is in me. It passes a scripture test. 
people in my life who hear from God don't have any concerns, the character of this ministry or the character of whatever you're trying to make a decision about checks out, or if it doesn't check out, you know, then shut it down at that point. But for me, it checked out. And then realizing I can make a move. And if it's not the move, I'll make another move. It's not like, it's not like we decide to do something and fall out of the will of God. Absolutely. That is not how it works. Once we belong to him, we can never be taken out of his hands. Now we might make a decision that we realized was based more more on our emotion or um, what we wanted, but we have to absolutely take a decision and submit it to God. But if it passes, if we're living from a place of fear and it's keeping us from something that maybe God really is opening a door, that's never from him. I just don't think that it is. I always tell, or I always like say that, God is not a God of confusion. So, like, if something feels really um, question questionable mm-hmm. or we're not, like, he, he provided his word so that we would know how to walk in it. And I, I think so many of us get frozen, like you said, by fear. And so we'll get so frozen and, like, this had to perfectly align as if, like, we can never, like, move again. Like, it's not like you couldn't have moved to Charlotte, realized it was the wrong decision and moved back to Birmingham. Absolutely. Like, we, as long as we move forward with these aligning steps, like, does align with Scripture, are godly people speaking into my decisions mm-hmm. and all of that, then God's will is kind of whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think overall, whenever we're questioning God's will for our lives – we can always go back to the grand mission that he gave us for all of us, which is make disciples, you know? So what does making Jesus known look like in this season? And for me, that was Proverbs and moving to Charlotte. And truthfully, it was my favorite yes that I've ever had with the Lord today. And I think that it was the fresh start that I needed. And it was literally like a gift of, I, I, I'm not saying we get rewards, you know, from, doing hard things. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know. But I think that it was fruit that um, paid off from me staying close to the Lord in a hard season where I could have run. And I really felt like it was my gift to kind of get away and start over and have a place where um, where me and the Lord could just move to a new season, you know? And it, it I'm so thankful that I did. Well, I have seen tremendous growth in you in a year. So Thank you. I know that Shay Tate in 2018 is the Shay Tate because you stepped out in obedience and in fear and in risk to say, to say yes to this. Absolutely. So it's not wasted. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though the Lord is not of confusion, I do not think that means that we get exempt from hard things. So nope. even though for Charlotte, for me, felt so clear, it has not been easy every step of the way, but it has been absolutely worth it. Well, now that you are in Charlotte and you're pursuing life apart from that season, like what you feel like is something you're walking through now? Like what is something you're facing right now? Something I'm facing right now or maybe dealing with, you know, day in, day out, I would say, um, is probably, I'm using the word contentment, but I'm not sure that's the best word, but just kind of facing each day. Let me put it this way. Looking ahead to where I want to be one day and choosing to be present in where I am today and not second guessing the disconnect between those two. Learning how to be a daily follower of Jesus today, looking at what I have on my plate today and giving that 100% of my best effort and really trying to not look tomorrow or the next week or even a year, five years, 10 years um, too far down the road and get anxious about that. But to really try to be present where I am today and the people that I have with me today and to leave the, the results best up to, left up to God through that. I think you're doing that in a beautiful way. And 
I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just so proud of the way that you have just taken the season by the thorns or horns. The horns. You're taking the season <laughs> by the horns. <laughs> and just running after it. And I would say that I think a large thing that I learned from you is the way that you interact with others and especially something that you and I like to talk about all the time called a high touch environment. Oh yeah. Do you want to tell people what that is? Yeah. So a high touch environment. She's the queen of the high touch environment. No, I'm really not. A high touch environment is something, um, a list of, I think 30 things, 25, 30 things that we implemented when I was an intern for my church in college. And for some reason, it's just one of those things that I'm sure everyone else just thought it was, you know, cool for a meeting, but I just clung to it and I've tried to really implement it in my daily life. And high touch environment, I guess putting it in my own words would just be, think of the most life-giving atmosphere that you could think of. And create it for other people. Yeah, create it for other people. And what does it look like to go the extra mile and love people well? Like some of the things are always write your thank you notes. Um, Always Always ask someone their name. Always ask someone their name. so well. And saying their name over and over again. Um, Looking for someone on the back row and bringing them up front and honoring them. Um, Just different things like that that over time I have just really latched onto. I have it at my desk and um, I've tried to implement it some in our work culture and just different things like that. And you've kind of I'm clung to it too and loved it. Well, and I think at the end of the day, a high touch environment allows other people to feel like they belong. And that like creates a domino effect for other people to feel included, to feel special, to feel known, which then if you're doing a high touch environment at work, allows other people to feel like they have more um, of a touch or an aspiration or connection to the deeper goal. So if you're like someone in leadership, whether it's a leadership of a team or an organization to speak, like to speak in a high touch environment way to someone else almost creates, yeah, like a ripple effect of someone stepping up and stepping into who they are, mm-hmm. um, which allows, you know, a better version of themselves, better productivity, better, whatever it is. Absolutely. And I think it overall contributes to the the principle that I really try to live by, which is culture is something that you create, right? And you have a personal culture, even though you belong to an organization, whether that is an organization on your college campus or your workplace or your family, right? Y'all all have a culture that you're kind of known by, but personally, you have the ability to be a thermostat and change culture whenever you walk into something. And so I feel like through these high touch environment, little things, you're able to really do that. Like some of them are um, be the first one to apologize. Who wants to do that? But that yeah. one's hard, you know, put energy into being likable, like put energy into being a likable person that gets, and not that gets along f- with everyone. Not in a fake way, but like, as if you, what is the one that says, um, oh yes, find common ground through the 101 principle, find the 1% that you agree on and give it your hundred percent effort because there could be someone a person on the side of the road, Mm -hmm. a person on your team who's completely different from you. And you might think I have nothing in common with them. So how can I even try? But like finding the 1% that you do share and just going full fledged on that. So you feel like you're creating a relationship with them. Absolutely. I've done that with even the person at Starbucks that is taking my order. If they have on like a certain shirt or if I recognize they're wearing Warby Parker glasses or something like that, that is the 1% and I give it 100% my effort to try to create kind of um, a connection between us. So even if I'm stuck there talking about Warby Parker glasses for 10 minutes, 
they will leave that conversation like knowing that we made a connection and that they they felt known and felt seen. Um, another thing that I love is um, give others credit, accept none for yourself. Um, reward faithfulness openly and take time to do it. So really set aside time to honor people. Um, don't miss significant events. Now, this one can be hard for me because I'm terrible at saying no, which are births, weddings, funerals, anniversaries, graduations, because they only come around once. Now, you can't run yourself ragged, but just living from a place of a, like, if I can make this happen, I'm going to because it only comes around once. Um, these are just 30 things that I just really try to live by for we'll whatever share. reason. I just love yeah. it. We'll share the high tension environment in our show notes, but I that want would to be s- awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Shay, you do a ton of travel for work. I do. I want to know what is a few things that you carry in your carry on bag. Okay. Your favorite place that you've been this year and why. Okay. Is that hard? And <laughs> I can think of it. With your ever-changing schedule, what are the few things that you do daily or weekly to keep yourself feeling grounded and cared for? Okay. So the first one, a few things that I carry in my carrying on. I always try to bring a protein bar or something to keep in my carry-on because sometimes we can go like not extended amount of times without food, but maybe one of my biggest fears in life is being somewhere without food. So <laughs> that's that. probably something that I keep in my carry-on. What's your favorite protein bar? The perfect bar. So mm, yes. all of the nutritional haters, if it's actually bad for me, tell me, don't tell me. I don't know what I think about that. <laughs> but I love perfect bars. Um, let's see. Also, I try to keep some gum with me always, but my boss is allergic to mint, so it has so to be no peppermint. Has to be very fruity gum. So there's like special kinds of trident that I like to buy before that. Um, and then always a book, you know, if there's a long car ride or something, just something to maximize that time well um a favorite place that I've been this year well me and Mary Scott went on a trip and that was really fun it was really fun I think that was the most recent trip that I've been on so I'll say that one was my favorite we flew into Chicago and stayed in a hotel actually on the airport grounds which was really fun and got to have a little slumby we so had a little fun. slumber party a little room service <laughs> yeah any any trip that's my favorite is probably one where we had really great breakfast room service I agree that's was, that's so my fun. favorite trip it was so fun yeah also what was my third question? Your third question was, oh, I travel a lot and my schedule's ever-changing, so what are some things that I kind of stick to that keep me grounded even when I'm all over the place? Well, I'm trying to think. So I would say this also comes back from high-touch environment, but I really, really try to answer all of my text messages within 24 hours. When things start to pile up on my phone, I really do start to get anxious. So every night before I go to sleep, I try to the best of my ability to answer all of my text messages and emails that seem urgent because within 24 hours, I just feel like that's when you're going to give someone your best self when they've reached out to you. So whether that's a friend from back home that wants to catch up or um, a work email or something, I always try to at least check in and let someone know that they're seen within 24 hours. That's really something I try to live by. That's convicting um, to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, um, I also, oh, this is something good. I kind of have like a capsule wardrobe. Talk to me about this. Unintentionally, but I really live pretty like minimally with clothes and stuff, but my, all of my items of clothing could be worn with multiple different things. So I feel like, um, that. that really works for me because I don't have to put so much thought into thinking what I'm going to wear. So I have really great staple pieces that I can kind of shift around. And I just think whenever you're busy, 
whenever you travel a lot, keep your life as simple as possible and things that will just make your life easier, you know, um, whatever that looks like for you, different things. But you know, there's other things I'm really not great at, which is laundry sometimes and uh, meal prepping. Let Mary Scott talk all about those <laughs> things. And I'll just talk about the fun stuff for me. You know? Hey, you have better clothes than me, really. So, um, and then I would say just trying to make time for yourself when you do come back from something. I love like returning from a trip and going to get my nails done or just having something planned when you come back from a trip that's going to actually fuel you and not exhaust you even more. So if that's choosing to have a night at home after you've returned from a trip or like I said, going to get your nails done or just sometimes having on your calendar that you're going to do nothing is a great gift to yourself. I think as people pleasers and perfectionists at times, scheduling white space and saying that you're busy doesn't necessarily feel right because, well, I could do that with you or whatever, but really like, I think, I don't know who said this. I think Rachel Hollis said this in the the book, Girl, Wash Your Face, and I'll link to it, but it's actually selfish to not take care of yourself because no one else will get the best version of you. So the most selfless thing is to put yourself first. And obviously like what I mean by that is for me, for me to be my best self for Daniel or for my friends is that I need to spend quiet time in the morning. Um, oftentimes it means I need to move my body, however that is, and I need to be fueling my body the right way because that makes me feel like Mary Scott and feel like the best version of me, and that way everyone else is going to get the best version of me. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I really try and live by that. Okay, I love that so much. I heard a pastor say one time, we all have to have things in our life that are not sin that make us us. And I think that's what you just said really beautifully. Um, Like whether that's, you know, exercising in the morning or um, if you really enjoy photography or going on a walk or having dinner with a friend that really fuels you, you know, those kind of things even add up to um, Sabbath. You know what I mean? So I love that. That's awesome. Well, on a totally different note, I just want to thank you for being with us today, but I want to end our show with some fun things. Okay. Ooh, yeah. What are some things that you're loving right now? Some Something you're reading, something you're watching or listening to, or something in general? Okay, go. So something I'm, a few things I'm loving. Number one, there is a food blogger. She does more than food, but I think of her as a food blogger because I go to her for all of my inspiration when I do meal prep, which is not often. So her name is Natalie and her Instagram handle is Guac My Life. And I love her because she loves tacos as much as I do. And she's a mom. She's from Birmingham. She's super awesome. Does lots of good Trader Joe's hauls, which I'm a big fan of. We love TJ's. Love TJ's. And so I just really like Natalie. She's super awesome. Um, And then also what I'm listening to, so part of my job is sometimes being in the car a lot, running errands or just going kind of all over the place for different things. And so I love to maximize that time and listen to podcasts and Watermark Church out of Dallas. Um, They have a couple different locations but um, in Texas, but I like to listen to a lot of their stuff. And they have a really great series on dating um, Mm. and relationships in general. So if you're single or you're currently dating or you're wanting to date, I would definitely check that out. And then also Brighton Keller has this dry shampoo trick that I'm super into. I love this trick. And I'm just saying for if you travel or if you don't travel, I just really think everyone needs to know about it. Okay. So you need to go to her website, Brighten the Day, and tr- and find the dry shampoo trick with a hair dryer and the dry shampoo and blowing it out. I promise you it will change your life forever. I'm better because of it. How many days has it been since you washed your hair? 
So today is Wednesday. <laughs> I haven't washed my hair since Friday. <laughs> Here's the thing, y'all. Her hair does not look dirty. And I can attest this dry shampoo trick from Brighton is legit because I've done it a few times. And I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. And just for a shameless plug, my favorite dry shampoo is right now is the Kristen S one from Target. All of her stuff is awesome. I think someone told me she does Lauren Conrad's hair. I don't know if that's real, but well, then we her stuff smells get. awesome. And then finally, Lisa Turkhurst, my um, boss here at Proverbs 31 Ministries, has a new book coming out at the end of this year, and I'm just super loving everything that's going on with that. So stay close to Lisa on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever is your favorite um, to keep an eye out for her book coming out at the end of this year. And I just wanted to give a shameless plug for that because it's been teaching me so much. It is a very powerful book. We had a moment when we were traveling um, a few weeks ago, Shay and I, where we we were with Lisa and we got to listen to her read a few chapters and Let's just say we both couldn't speak because we were crying so much. (laughs) She read us one chapter that she just was kind of wanting to hear our thoughts on. And after she was done, she was in the backseat. We're driving um, from the Chicago airport to a city in Indiana. And Mary Scott and I are in the front. And I look at Mary Scott and we're both just weeping. And Lisa was finishing reading and she kind of like said our names from the backseat. And we just looked at her and both had tears shooed at her face. We all just died laughing. And she was like... (laughs) okay, well, I guess that resonates with my audience. I guess that's great. And I was like, Lisa, if Mary Scott and I cry, cry, then I think that means it's good. (laughs) Well, and what that told me, and I guess can tell Lisa, is like sometimes the enemy will tell you a lie because he knows whatever is about to come out of you is going to be life-changing for whoever's on the receiving end. And so the fear and the confusion that might come from that is probably just him trying to delay whatever is coming. That's so good, Mary Scott. So full of wisdom. Always dropping wisdom bombs. (laughs) Well, the book is going to be amazing, and maybe we'll get to do something special with it when it comes out. So we'll make sure that everyone knows when it's coming out. It's going to be wonderful. But anyway, Shay, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Mary Scott. And we'll just have everyone be able to keep up with you. Yeah, where can everyone find you? You can find me like on social media? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it that much. Um, my Instagram handle is at Shay Tate, S-H-A-E-T-A-T-E. And we will link to it anyway, but thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> wow. Do you guys love Shay as much as I do? I love her words and all of the encouragement she left for us today. Friends, Rachel and I have been so grateful for all of your kind words and affirmation of our podcast. It has meant so much to us to know that the messages are resonating with your hearts and that you want to hear more. Speaking of talking about the podcast, Rachel and I would love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews are super helpful for other listeners to discover our podcast who may have never heard about it before. Also, you can subscribe to our podcast. If you subscribe to our podcast, new episodes and content will automatically show up to your phone without you even having to do anything about it. It's so convenient and so great, and you'll never miss anything. You can learn more about Shay and read her show notes at our website at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. There you will find any other information we talked about in the show and podcast episodes previously. We are so thankful that you chose to spend some time with us today, and we pray that we'll see you again soon. Have a great day.